Hello, you. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This weekend, Julie Esmond-Holt speaks to me about her brand new book, An Actor's Alphabet. Sam Ryder, yeah, the Sam Ryder, live from the top of the tower with our second Sunday session. And Alfred Enoch is in the building to tell us about his starring role in As You Like It and his upcoming festive film, This Is Christmas. Show chef Martha kicks off Christmas with her Martha class, which included Christmas pudding and a no-bake chocolate cake. Mm, delicious. And we'll be putting our heads together to solve your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to tell us more. You made, you made me jump. I was having a little snooze there. <laughs> Why went, is he talking? Why is he talking so loudly? <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I need a pillow. How are you, Mr I, Norton? I'm very well indeed. You are sporting a very fetching, nice wool. I'm guessing merino wool. It's, well, I don't think... I think it's some sort of fakery because it wasn't very spendy. Oh, okay. It was quite it was quite an inexpensive It's bar. not acrylic, though, is it? It's not acrylic. I, I wouldn't like to have a match near it. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Normally they have a big label that says, do not go near a fire. Yeah, and I think it's faux hair. That's what it is. Faux hair instead of mohair. I yeah. see what you did there. Um, <laughs> Graham, you. it is leaf-blowing season, isn't it? Ow. Are you woken to the sounds? I am, but you know the thing... What, what I find annoying is, because obviously the council schedule in their leaf-blowing... Yes. ..months in advance... So the leaves were still on the trees and they were out blowing leaves. Ditto. Yeah. So they were just basically blowing cigarette packets about. <laughs> uh, that's exactly how... So I've been sweeping leaves. <laughs> Am I really going to go with this? Yes. I've been sweeping <laughs> leaves ready for the leaf blowers into the road for the leaf blowers. But then somebody said to me, no, no, no. The leaf compost is the best, one of the best things. Leaf compost and seaweed, apparently, both of which are plentiful where I am. Yes. So you basically bag them up, the leaves. Please, I might be telling people to, you know, granny how to suck eggs here. Back up the leaves, put them in a dark place until next year when you chuck them all away. No, when you can put them on your garden. Wow, you are going to, you are morphing into Monty Don before my eyes. <laughs> Maria Don, <laughs> Monty McCurlane. Um, so that's... Um, that also, I should say that, that that expression, teaching your granny to suck eggs, like my granny probably did need to know, I mean, I don't think she knew how to do that, so... Suck an egg? Yeah. How, why, do, you, how why, do you do it? Exactly, why would my granny know how to do that? You put a pin in it, don't you? That's, yes. Isn't that when you want to collect the shells or something? Uh, yes, if you blow out the yolk and the... Oh, oh, Maria, we're talking about eggs. Oh, no, stop it. We're talking about eggs. One thing, one thing I must ask you, slightly on the same subject. Air fryer. Um, Everyone's gone mad for... I saw the most horrible altercation over an air fryer. Everyone's gone mad for air fryers. You know how seasonal things. In the hardware store, store, Robert Dias, um, where there was only (laughs) one left and two... I didn't know they existed anymore. Two very sort of middle-class women just were going at each other over this, you know, who'd got there first. It's like It was like a jumble, say, where you hold on to the arm and the other lady holds on to the other arm and you just wrestle. And I thought, no, this cannot be happening here. So I said to them, oh, Ladies, I'm sure they can order you another one, but they were they were lost. And then to, you got punched in the face. No, they were lost <laughs> to your reason. Beak out. They, were, they were utterly lost to reason. They could not stop. I got here first. I had my hand on it. I know I had my. But then, what is the big deal about? it? I didn't know they existed. What do they do? I've do got they one. even fry? You've got one. I've got one, and I must say they are good. What what what, what do you cook? Uh, well, you can put uh, chips. But really, little potato things. Uh, right. So, uh, do they, are they as tasty as plunging potatoes into deep fat that has been boiling for some time? Uh, it's certainly easier. It's a lot easier than doing that. And, but now, here's my thing about an air fryer. Oh, yes. You need a lot of counter space if you're going to have an air fryer. Uh, okay. Because they take up a lot of counter space, and I'm not sure how often you use them. You? How often do you use yours? Not often enough for the amount of counter space. I'm guessing up. it's not on your counter anymore. It is. Yeah, Mind it's still you, there. Your counter is as big as my house. <laughs> And full of stuff. (laughs) Has it got a a microwave? Microwave. George Foreman's grill. Actually, the George Foreman grill has been moved. Uh, It's now on top of the dryer. Nobody does that anymore. (laughs) They all do air fryers. You have to keep up with the kitchen trends, Graham. You do. You do, So you know what to get me for Christmas. An ice cream maker. Yes, Okay. that's that's fine. I haven't got room for an air fryer. Virgin Radio. So good. Turned into Captain Birdseye. <laughs> I'm going to read you a problem out loud. Try and concentrate for the time it takes. Thank you very oh, much. so hard. Hi, 
Graham and Maria, when my elderly neighbours go away, they give me a key to feed their cat. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> They're feeding the cat a key. <laughs> mm, can I have another key, please? I'm hungry. <laughs> that key wasn't big enough. Shush! They give me a key to feed their cat. I'm an 18-year-old student and still live at home. They pay me for feeding their cat and for getting the milk, bread, etc. for their return from holidays. However... I did something very stupid. I met a boy and I took him back to their house. Uh-uh. During the night, we both had too much to drink. He fell over, landed on the glass coffee table and smashed it. My mum is furious with me and I don't know what to do. She says it's all my fault and that I must deal with it. They are due back from a, a cruise on the 29th of November. Please help. Oh, my goodness, that's Lizzie in Runcorn. Oh, Lizzie in Runcorn, I feel your pain. It's going to keep you awake at night. Um, Here's the thing. I'm slightly with your mum, Lizzie in Runcorn. Can you not take a boy back to your own house? Uh, do they ban that? I mean, let's just leave what that was for, going back to their house. Uh, we'll draw a veil of it, going back to your neighbour's house. I'm going to have to tell you the truth here, Lizzie in Runcorn. You have to fess up. Up. Now, I'm allowing you to give limited information to the lovely couple who are on, currently on a cruise, oblivious to their antique table in smithereens. Um, but, so you can say, my friend came in with me and tripped over their cat, if you like, while I was opening the can and the table smashed and we don't know what to do. And I'm so, so sorry. And I will pay you off weekly or do more chores or you can take it off my cat feeding wages but you must off you must throw yourself at their mercy totally fess up be you know do proper acting of how apologetic you are offer to pay do everything i'm hoping that as they can afford to go away on a cruise, that they can go pop down to B&M or wherever and get another coffee table. What yeah. do you think, Graham? Well, it is it is totally your fault, Lizzie. Uh, yeah. You, you know, and, and that's, you know, in a way... And that's she knows. Of, she said yes. I did a bad thing. And, and that's kind of good. You know, next time, you won't bring a very drunk boy back to a stranger's house <laughs> and let him break their coffee table. Uh, but that's what you did this time. Uh, you are 18, and those are the sort of stupid decisions we make when we're 18. Yeah, and, and then we eight- have to make good yeah. those decisions. And when you're 18 and a half, you realise, oh, remember when I was 18 and I did that really stupid thing? <laughs> I'd never do that now. And you won't. So here's the thing, Lizzie. You, one, clean up, clean up, clean up. There must be not a scrap of broken glass in that house. You must, you know, really, really go for it and really clean it up. Do we think so, it can be repaired, Graham? Well, Maybe they've just knocked the top off like I did. Yes, if it's an inset glass. Oh, good. Oh, my goodness. Suddenly you're an interior designer. Then, you know, you could just measure it up. Lizzie, and get a new piece a, of glass. I don't think it will be that expensive because it broke quite easily. For let's face it, you know, I don't know how big he was, but yeah. still, you know. <laughs> I'm hoping he was really huge. Um, <laughs> but yes, I would. If if there is a possibility of mending, you've got how? Where are we? 29th November. You've got 10 days to do that. Yeah. Um, quickly call around, do all of that sort of things. Yeah. Um, I, the other thing is, I wouldn't when uh, I wouldn't even say you had a friend there. I would just make sure the house own is, it. Yeah. Own it. Make sure the house is all. Clean and tidy. If some of the drinking was their drink, make sure that's been replaced. OMG, there's another thing. She never mentioned that. Well, I'm just thinking, how did you get so drunk in a stranger's house? Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Drinks cabinet. So uh, make sure that... Smash the drinks cabinet as well, (laughs) so that they don't know how much drink you stole. Lose the cat and they'll have something else to be upset about. (laughs) Set (laughs) fire to the place. No! They'll focus on that. No, you just got to really own it, I think. You know, there's nobody there. You tripped over the cat. You did something. You fell against thing. You really hurt yourself. You yeah. know, you can have a bit of damage to yourself. It's a white lie, people who are telling me don't lie. It's a white lie to get her out of this. She's doing the good thing, which is fessing up, uh, but just a small white lie to... Yes. Eliminate the man. In, is in that fairness, allowed? You, you is that do, allowed? Well, you do have to fess up because <laughs> what are you going to say? Oh, I don't know how that happened. No, I didn't notice. The cat has put on a lot of weight. <laughs> Maybe I was feeding it too much and it does like to sit on the coffee table. The cat was bringing a lot of friends home to the flap. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. That cat flap was like <laughs> oh. Piccadilly Station. <laughs> uh, so look, I don't know how much... Uh, hopefully the whole table isn't broken because that would be expensive. But just to replace glass won't be wildly expensive. Uh, and, you know, I think... If if you are responsible, Lizzie, don't just 
like you know, sit under your duvet in your room, crying, think, waiting for it to go away, waiting for your mother to go next door to explain what happened. You do it, and know that you will never do this again. And and yeah, and you've probably lost your cat feeding gig, I imagine. Yeah, unless You're... you can, unless you make th- that um, good on that. And if you can't afford the glass, if there is glass to be had, borrow it from your mum. Beg, steal, and borrow the money. Oh, for money! Your oh, I yeah, glass. money I to replace. Why would the, the mother have the... glass cut to size? <laughs> She's a glazier. Top. My mother, the glazier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Or just put, cut out some cardboard and write glass on it and put it there. <laughs> I would be fooled by that, Graham. <laughs> I know. A lot of people would. That's it's the clever. latest design thing. Uh, the responses, part one, and my favourite responses will be getting uh, Heston from Waitrose pear and fig mince pies. You think mm, mince pies lovely? What would make them better? Triple cheese pastry, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes. Uh, they're irresistibly mince pies, bringing together the flavours of festive cheese board. Do you see? It's a festive cheese board, so it's pear, fig and triple cheese all mashed together in a, a mince pie and they come in a box. There you go. Angela in Southampton has misunderstood the problem, really. Because uh, I, th- she says, I think she should be honest with her mom and offer to replace glass or buy a new table. Her mom might fancy a change. The guy should pay half. As a mom, I love my children unconditionally and I'm sure her mom loves her too. It's only a table. Nobody died. Nobody died as yet. I mean, the elderly neighbours could have a heart attack when they get back and see the state of their house. But uh, yes, it, it all happened in the neighbour's house, Angela. So it's not the mother's coffee table, it's the neighbour's coffee table. But the mother is furious about it. Paul from Peckham. <laughs> Uh, Paul has taken a slightly different uh, take on it. No, 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 Maria. Obviously, Lizzie should tell them as she was walking to place the milk in the fridge, the scruffy cat tripped her up and she fell on the coffee table. She should tell the couple she has decided not to take legal action. Sort it. <laughs> yes, you could do that. Uh, as an 18-year-old, I'm not sure that's a great life lesson to learn. Uh, morning, Graham. Lizzie deserves no sympathy whatsoever. Oh, dear. Uh, if she hasn't got the money to repair the glass and dry clean the duvet, we didn't thought about that. Uh, maybe her mother could cover the cost as a Christmas present. Happy Christmas! Thank you, James in Enfield. Uh, Marta in Chelsea says, "I'd get onto eBay or second-hand furniture shops and try and replace it. Yes, it will cost you, but it would save all that cringy acting slash lying. Well, there'll be some lying going on when they go. But that coffee table's not our coffee table." Yeah, I uh, think it's unlikely you'll find exactly the same coffee table. And Abby in Tooting has something that myself and Maria totally didn't think about, but you're absolutely right. Uh, it seems simple to me. Tell the couple you tripped and broke the table, but then get the clumsy boy to pay for the damages. Yeah. As an 18-year-old boy running around random people's houses and smashing things, he's probably due some karma, and if he wants to see her again, he'll defo pay up. Well, Lizzie, you'll certainly know how keen he is <laughs> when you when you say you've got to pay for a coffee table. I think, Lizzie, you should pay and then go to him and kind of go, I want halves. That that doesn't seem out of uh, that doesn't seem out of out of order. I think that that is only fair. Have you got a second problem? Uh, do you know I have? Great, dear Graham and Maria, I recently was dogs. Oh, now we've got a dog. <laughs> I recently was dog-sitting for my friend. If there's a glass table involved, Graham... (laughs) Then this is a bit samey, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was recently dog-sitting for my friend and I've realised how much I want a dog in my life. I've grown up with dogs in the house my entire life, but since moving to London, I haven't had one. My partner and I have been together for six years and we moved in together this year. And it's going very well, exclamation mark. We are both classical musicians, so our lifestyle does make a dog tricky. But I know others who do have them. I have realised since my friend's dog stayed with us how much I want and need a dog in my life. I just don't think I've been fully complete without one. Well, your partner will be pleased to hear that. My partner is still completing his MA and so he says it's not the right time, which I do understand. However, 
I feel like my own partner, who is the person who makes me the happiest, is denying something which will really improve my well-being and overall happiness outside of classical music, which is causing some resentment and anger from my side. I feel like I have no control over my own happiness. I want to keep trying to persuade him because I just don't think it will happen unless I emphasise how much I want one, despite him saying he wants one too. How can I make my puppy dream a reality and make sure this doesn't cause long-term problems in our relationship? And that is from Lauren in London. Lauren in London, I felt like I was reading something by Victoria a bot from what's it from hmm, uh, who's gonna scream and scream until she's sick you um, know who just William just William thank you who wants her own way I mean <clears throat> I get it dogs are lovely and you've been looking after one just remember what you said it's not the right time your partner has said it's not the right time he's in the middle of his MA you're both classical musicians and so you travel a lot think of that little dog being very very lonely without you there will come a time when you know it, a dog will come into your life but it feels to me Lauren in London like it's like I want it and I want it now it's got to be immediate. I mean, can I just sing a little bit? I won't sing. Um, the Stone Song, you can't always have what you want. I think your partner is being reasonable. Graham is patronising me here. No, no, but, it's true, you're true. I mean, I don't think it's him you resent, Lauren, in London, your partner. He makes you the happiest you've ever been, yada, 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 six years together. Don't upset the apple cart by blaming him for a circumstance which you find yourselves in. There will come a time, you probably will move out of London, classical music album will have gone straight to number one in the charts his ma will see him do television appearances you'll be super rich you'll have a lovely house and then you'll have a dog and dog walkers and dog walkers yeah. yes um, no, perversely because lauren i always think like if you're getting a dog yes you are going to love having a dog that's great and it was lovely to have dog sitting your friend's dog lovely but you've got to also think what's the dog getting out of it Aww. and if the dog is just Lonely. sitting sitting in a house waiting for those classic musicians to get home <laughs> um, that's not much of a life for a I dog I miss Vivaldi <laughs> 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 If only. Four seasons, I'm looking out of the window at them changing. Shut up, Maria. Um, so, Lauren, think about that. Think about what the dog gets out of this and how much how much time you really have for this dog. Yes, because when you've got time, it's lovely to have a dog skipping around the place. Um, but, you know, and this dog you, that you did the dog setting for was not a puppy. You will presumably, because I feel like I know you, Lauren, yeah. you will want a puppy. Yeah. Because it's so cute. Oh, no, no, look at the puppy. And, oh, it's chewed through my cello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any G-strings left. <laughs> oh, it's beat in my violin case. <laughs> Other classical music jokes are available. <laughs> Endlessly. Uh, so, Lauren, I just think this is, your partner is, sounds like a really reasonable person uh, because he or they, is it he? Yeah, he does want a dog, but he has the gumption to understand that now is not the right time. So... Uh, just, yes, you've annoyed me, Lauren. What, yes, you annoyed me too. What's she going to do with all that resentment and anger that she's got going on? Go to the gym. She, no, she's going to leave him and get a dog. Yeah. And then... <laughs> but she shouldn't. Uh, this guy's good. No, he don't is, leave him. Yeah. You're happy. He makes you the happiest you've ever been. If only you could get rid of your dog obsession. Yeah. Well, no, don't get rid of it. No, but, but just put it on pause. On the a pause. <laughs> <laughs> We're so funny. Dara sponsors. And this is part two. But let me say... I stupidly forgot to award the Heston Waitrose Pear and Fig Mince Pies in Triple Cheese Pastry in the last lot of advice. So I'm giving that to Abby in Tooting for her Make the Boy Pay advice. Uh, what did you think? Kate in Pembrokeshire. Lauren should sign up to borrow my doggy. Oh, there's a bunch of these apps, actually, yeah. Uh, she can walk a dog for someone nearby who needs a walker. She can introduce it to her partner, and if they both go to love it, he might then choose to go ahead and get one together. Yeah. And also... If you're just walking a dog, you got to you might remind you that dogs are quite a lot of work. You've got to you've got to walk them and pick up after them and all that sort of stuff. Sarah in London, Lauren could channel her dog enthusiasm into helping a dog charity, walk dogs in rescue, or volunteer for the Cinnamon Trust to find walkers for elderly and terminally ill people. I hadn't heard of the Cinnamon Trust. That's a really great idea for people who are you know housebound or ill, but they still have a dog. That is a lovely idea. Um, yeah. Uh, Sarah London, very good. Uh, Lauren should definitely do that. Uh, Jackie in Hampshire. Maybe I'm reading between the lines on the dog story. 
Is it a dog? Is it that the dog paid her attention? Is it about his commitment to the relationship? Maybe ask him when you think you'll be able to have a dog and look forward to getting one together. Discuss breed, size, pros, cons, etc. Oh, Jackie and Hampshire, this man, I mean, he was going to shut up about the dog. I said we'd get one, just not now. Okay. Uh, John in Balham, who's a very happy dog owner, he wants to know, uh, uh, satisfy your dog cravings with the Borrow My Doggy app. See, I told you about the other ones, uh, where you can care for local dogs as often as you like without having the full-time responsibility of owning one. Your partner may even come around to the idea when he sees how happy a dog makes you. And if he doesn't, are there other apps for finding new boyfriends too? John, you're choosing dog over man. All right. Uh, Lauren, I hope some of that advice was helpful. I'm going to give the Heston from Waitrose Pear and Fig Mince Pies in Triple Cheese Pastry to Sarah in London for that uh, top tip about those charities uh, where you can help people out who aren't able to walk their dogs anymore. Uh, very good. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, it's time to welcome my guest, Julie Hesman-Holch. Uh, she brings out her second book, this one's called An Actor's Alphabet, and it's out in paperback now. Hello, Julie. Hello, Graham. Oh, I'm so, it's so nice to see oh, you. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Thank you for having me. Oh, God, I'm mad. So this book came about because you did a working diary, which was a, you know, a really great insight into what the life of an, a working actor is like. Because I think people always think either actors are unemployed or stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and the day-to-day -day gruel of it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I wrote that a couple of years ago. I was commissioned to write that. And I think that the things that seem to resonate from that book and that people really responded to were the more advice-based stuff and the stuff where I talked about stuff that I've learnt along the way. And um, so I thought, well, maybe it'd be a useful thing to write a book that is a bit more advice-based not just for young people, but for anybody who's emerging into the industry or anybody who's interested in it, actually. Yeah. Because everyone's always interested in like, how you learn your lines, what your process is, all that stuff, you know. And, and I think it's... Um yeah, I just wanted it to be... I mean, the subheading of it is stuff that I've learned and stuff that I'm still learning, and that's really, really important to me, that it's not just me sitting in a sage-like position going, like, this is the wisdom I will and it bestow yeah. upon you. It's no, no, it's very you. It's not the big I am. It's not the big I am at all. It's very, you know, uh, listen, this is what I think, da 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 but it, it's not the gospel. I think a lot of people, you know, might think, oh, this would be a good gift to give, you know, if there's somebody younger in your life, or if, as you say, someone who's older thinking, you know what, I, I'm going to give this a go. It's, yeah. yeah. So let's start with D for drama school. What okay. are your thoughts on drama schools, your your thoughts on that? Well, well, yeah, I mean, drama schools are changing, like, beyond oh, recognition. By the way, by the way uh, fact check, yeah. fact check, Dame Judy Dench did go to drama school. Well, did she? Yeah, she did. Well, yeah. thank, well, thank you for yeah, outing you me as, as yeah, a bad researcher <laughs> on, on her, Graham. Well, in my research, it said that she didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry, Dame well, no, Judy. I no, I think she went to the Central School of Speech Drama, but before it was that. It was, I think she went to the one, it was in the Albert Hall years oh, ago. Oh, wow, wow, well, well, I anyway, apologise. Yeah, 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 well, no, no, well, no, 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 Jones no. definitely didn't, and Jodie yeah. Cormer didn't, because they're my only yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the thing, is people always think they have to go to drama school in order to be an actor, and, you know, and obviously it can be prohibitive in terms of fees and audition fees, etc. And, um, and it's not for everybody and there is a way to get into this industry without it and drama school itself you know that has changed so much over the last few years and and this is what I'm interested in how the industry right from drama schools through to you know the actual business itself has changed massively beyond recognition over these last few years in terms of representation and diversity and making it more current and relevant to now I mean when I was at drama school there was one person of colour in my year there was one black woman and that meant that any plays that we did completely, it excluded anything from the, the, the yeah. global side. But, but even beyond that, people at drama school didn't sound like you. No, no. I mean, I was quite lucky in that the people who were running my drama school, Lambda, back then, were part of the like the Royal Court Angry Young Men period in the 60s. So so there was a space for me there. There were like five of us from Accrington at Lambda at the same time. Right, the pals. Yeah, I know, it's totally, totally disproportionate. I mean, there were more of us from Accrington than there were from Eton, which is like very <laughs> unusual. Um, yeah, so, but now I think it's opening up much more and there's a real drive to get people from all different kind of backgrounds, you know, you know in, in terms of ethnicity disability but also class you know people from working class and more disadvantaged backgrounds into drama school and and the the whole drama school scene and beyond will be richer for that definitely yeah. and also i suppose what's good now is there are so few stable jobs or reliable jobs you might as well try being an actor <laughs> 
One hundred percent. This is this is absolutely my manifesto about this. Like people always say, like, "Oh, your daughter's going to go into acting," and I say, "Oh no, they're not." Oh, you must be relieved. And I'm like, "Well, no, actually, because what a privilege it is to know what you want to do, to know what your passion is, and to and to make a go of it." And even in the times when I've had a huge failure in my life and huge periods of unemployment, the fact that I've been in that community, surrounded by people who were generally pretty ace and engaged yeah. and like passionate people and, and I wouldn't have changed any of that so I would have loved for my kids to want to go into it rather than being like oh, I'm not quite sure what I want to do and like you say everything's hard now if you want to be a lawyer it's really really hard <laughs> to get a job doing what you want you know chances are you becoming like a human rights lawyer absolutely not nil you know it's like you're probably working in a solicitor's office in a northern town you know doing conveyance you know so you might as well just give it a go and just like and that's what and that's what the book's about as well it's about creativity generally yeah. and, and and the world of that and tapping into that and just and enjoying it there's so little joy in the world right now you know we're in this like culture of despondency i'm just saying you know just just try and live your best life actually very quickly before we play your track i just want to go to jay for jealousy because i think uh, you know and i've been there you've been oh, there yeah. you as an actor, it's so easy to judge yourself against the success of others. It's constant. It's constant. You're seeing who's above you on the ladder, who's below you on the ladder, and it's such a it's such a waste of time and energy. And I know for myself, when I get into that space, that I need to do something. You know, I need to look after my mental health a bit more. I need to do something for myself. You know, I need to do a class or, you know, take myself out in the world because we all have it. And we all have a nemesis who gets the jobs that you know that we don't. <laughs> it's like everyone's got one. I won't name my one. Uh, but you know, it's that it's that thing of like. There is enough to go around, actually, if you're passionate and persistent enough. Yeah. Listen, yeah. back to the book. Uh, so we're, we're kind of pitching to people who might be thinking, ooh, you know what? Now might be my time. I'm going to give it a go. So practical skills, uh, learning lines. What do you know about that? Oh, well, I mean, that is probably the most boring chapter of them all, but it's something everyone always asks you, isn't it? It's like, it's a question that everybody asks you every time you do a and a How do you learn all them lines? And it's a bit dispiriting, really. But, and so, I mean, it's just it's just graft. It's just slog most of the time. But it's just... Uh, but well, I better include it because that's the thing that gets out. That's what I've tried to do is is sort of contain all the questions and the A to Z sort of format was quite handy for this, you know, just like choose things that people are talking about either in the wider culture or things that ask actors all the time about process and line learning and, and fame and failure and drama school and getting an agent and all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm I'm much more interested in stuff in the book that is about about the way that the industry is changing and growing older in that industry. So for me, as somebody in the early 50s now... and, and No. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> um, it's like when I, when I left Coronation Street and re-entered the industry, it's changed so much. In those 16 years I was in it, it changed so much. But since then, you know, with Me Too and Black Lives Matter and, you know, the introduction of um, intimacy coordinators on film sets and in rehearsal rooms, and people my age really, really Resist some of that stuff. And I think it's so important to understand why it's happening, that it's happened after years and years of grassroots campaigning by people yeah. who it affects, and not be a dinosaur and grow and evolve with the whole kind of like culture. And I find that really, really exciting. Well done, you, because I think if you resist it, it's very ageing. Yeah. It makes you look old. I think it does. <laughs> and, and, and I get it. If you're entrenched in your own way of doing things, I get it. You know, and it's difficult, you know, when suddenly someone throws a curveball at you and you've been doing things a certain way and, and things have looked a certain way to you but I just I just think that our culture and society and our art scene generally is so enriched by any kind of diversity and the more people we can welcome into it the more people you meet on yeah. a film set I mean it's just exciting when I did Cucumber that was the first time I'd been in a read through where there was an equal amount of white people and people from the global majority and it was thrilling and it was like ahead of its time in terms of that yeah. and, and that's the way things are moving now to be more representative and I love it and actually there's a great chapter at the end about the power of no because and also so how to say no but also when to say no yeah like you've got to think about working for no money because there's a time in your career when you do do jobs for no money yeah and then how do you make the how do you make the the leap to kind of go right no more free jobs yeah well well yeah i mean it's difficult and it because i do more unpaid jobs than paid jobs in a year and something you know and i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a trade unionist you know i'm like really passionate about that and i know there's actors that have a very strong line on that but for me that closes off a whole sort of part 
of the industry, which is like fringe and working together with friends, making stuff, doing student films that are low paid or no paid. You, you're missing out on a whole swathe of, of like really interesting work if you make that very hard and fast rule. Yeah. For me, the saying no stuff is about really knowing your own moral compass and knowing where to draw your own line. And I've done things in the past that I I regret now and think, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. That was actually quite irresponsible of me to to be the face of that or whatever. And and I think it's hard if you're skint and you're offered money to do something. But I think what price your soul in a way, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to guide people through that. And I am aware that I'm in a position of privilege. Yeah. But and also, no one's, no one's got to thank you for not doing something. No. People may slag you off for saying yes, but yes. No, no, one's, no, no one knows that you're sitting there smug and moral. Yeah, no, that's true. Turned, that, that's true. I turned but that But you know down. yourself. You know yourself. And I think that's really important. No, you know? absolutely. And I, think, and I kind of think in a sort of weird, like, you know, hippie way. I'm sorry. That, um, that life kind of rewards you for knowing your own kind of, like, limits on things. Because there's also a, a chapter on openness and, and just saying yes and not being afraid to look like a complete burke, you know. And because, like, in a rehearsal room, you have to do a lot. And, and not to be so sort of, like self-important and, and worried about how you appear to other people not to just like just go for things really yeah. listen it is such a practical useful fascinating book and a real insight to you as well an actor's alphabet it is out in paperback now Julie Hesman Holch thank you so much for coming to thank see you, us thank you Graham I will release you now back into the world thank you back to Manchester <laughs> yeah. bye darling take care of yourself the Graham Norton radio show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio uh, right here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose, we've started a thing called Sunday Sessions. And this is our just our second one. And it features Sam Ryder. Welcome to the show, Sam Ryder. Thank you so much for having me, mate. How are you doing? Well, I'm okay. How are you? Because I was, I was telling you earlier, I turned on the television last night and I saw you doing the terms and conditions on Strictly. And I was like, that's Blackpool. It's quite a way. <laughs> yeah. Found out today. Uh, and we didn't send a helicopter, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was no private Ryanair jet. Either. No, no. Uh, so you're good. You're good, yes, though. Yes, good. Um, we, you know what? I took the choice to not sleep because I thought, like strictly kind of wrapped up at one-ish and then just to get two hours sleep before we started driving at three I thought would make me feel worse so yeah. we're here and but also, it's I, feel, rock and I feel fine it's rock and roll oh yeah of course You're I mean I'm rock and roll all over yeah you know? like, that's me yeah. drinking a ginger tea <laughs> <laughs> long live rock and roll Viva yeah Lord. yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, so let's just explain the format so you're going to sing three songs for us yep. so you're going to do two of your own and you're going to do a cover Yep. Yep. Okay. Should we look? Should we kick off? Let's go. Uh, so let's kick off with the song that started it all. Uh, this is the song that won Sam second place in the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, was that this year? Yeah, it was this it year. It was. Yeah. It's bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> I keep doing that. I was going to say, last year, this year? What is it? No, it was this year. What a long year it's been. <laughs> it's dragging out and I'm milking it. <laughs> All right, get under the mic, and uh, here, here we go. This is a beautiful stripped-back acoustic version of Spaceman. You can see Sam Ryder perform Spaceman on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Um, so, I mean, that song, it, it, are you are you bored with it? Not yet? at all, because no? okay. um, well, we turned up this morning, and me and Sahil said, right, we're both, obviously, we're in the same van down from Blackpool, and um, we said... I tell you what, let's do a very chill version <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. I'd be worried that those uh, spacemans would um, wouldn't sound <laughs> right otherwise. But they sound, I mean, your voice sounds extraordinary. It sounds supernatural. Um, thank you, mate. We Absolutely, were a bit, yeah. bit worried this morning. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, this is a small interview, but since Eurovision, you've played some huge uh, mm. things. What have been some of the highlights between Eurovision and now? Um, it's uh, it's hard to say because. When I think of some of the things that have happened, like there are things that you you don't even have those kinds of dreams. Like Queen, for example, my favourite band in the world. And like I remember trying to learn Brian May's guitar parts and playing them in front of my mirror in my bedroom. You you dream maybe that you'd be in a band and play gigs like Queen one day, but you don't even consider I'm going to sing with Queen one day. Like it's, it doesn't like become part of the fabric of your uh, yeah. I don't know visions <laughs> but it happens so it's just amazing are you, are you are you like have you got some sort of thing on your computer where kind of like oh, that's the clip of me and Queen that's the clip of me at the Jubilee this is the clip of me at the EMAs like, um, I've, like, I've got one for, and it is when I went to Roger Taylor's house it's bonkers even saying that uh, to rehearse with him and Brian 
and I've got the recording, just a little audio clip of our first run through of the song. And it's it's so cool because when the band kicks in and then Brian and Roger are singing harmonies, it's like, that's Queen. Like that's not a backing track or like a karaoke <laughs> version. That's me like trying my best to like sing along with these legends that have like been there and done it and contributed to music what all of us just like hold dear you know and it is amazing because in under a year because I mean you were singing mm. to the backing tracks like, I was I that, downloaded them all yeah <laughs> that's that's where we that's where people found you mm. was on, on TikTok and stuff was doing those songs yeah in, where was that was that your bedroom or shed or what shed. was it a shed yeah 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 um, shed in my parents garden <laughs> no, I was going to say you're doing very well with your own shed yeah, it's your yeah. parents shed okay. yeah 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 <laughs> you didn't need this yeah, success yeah. you have a shed <laughs> very good watch Sam Ryder performing his new song all the way over just look up Virgin Radio UK on Facebook Twitter and Instagram huge thanks to you for kind of all you've done for Eurovision and now it's so great to see it's not about Eurovision anymore. It's about it's about you it's about Sam Ryder flogging the album yeah yeah sell that album thank you so much for coming in to see us guys take care take care bye bye -bye. there's more to come Alfred Enoch joins me in the studio to chat about his starring roles in As You Like It and This Is Christmas but first let's cross to the other side of the building and join Martha with our very first Martha class well I have made it I had three minutes and 37 seconds and I did it I'm now uh, in sort of a very glass wedge at the end of the the tower uh, with Martha and our winners hello Martha oh hello I wish this is where I got to cook every week, I tell you that much. No, I do feel like we're on this morning, but it's not a backdrop, it's real. <laughs> it's real, it's amazing. It's real, yeah, it's really good. Uh, so uh, let's meet our, our winners. So first up, we've got Kim. So where are you from, Kim? I'm from, well, I'm from Edinburgh, but I, I'm originally from Nottingham, so I live in Edinburgh, so I came down last night on the train. Wow, well done you. Thank and are you having a nice time in London so far? It's beautiful, yes, and a lovely view as well. Is it what you expected? Ah, more so. More, more so. We had more so. Lovely. Have you been nice to them so far, Martha? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we've actually just met, so. Oh, okay. That's I like that. They're all aproned up and everything. Uh, next up, we've got Helen. Where are you from, Helen? I'm actually quite local. I'm from Leytonstone in East London. Oh, easy commute today. So you've seen London before. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> yeah, it's quite boring. But still, thanks for entering. You, you really wanted to win. I did. <laughs> and next up, Liz, have you travelled far? I'm from New Forest. Uh, that's quite far, isn't it? Yeah. And, and also, there's always roadworks there. So, yeah, hellish to, hellish to get here from the New Forest. So, what, did you come up this morning or last night? No, we came up last night and stayed. Mmm, oh, very nice. Yeah. Did you have a nice time last night? Lovely, thank you. Okay, we'll draw a veil. And uh, Heather, where, how far have you travelled? Only from Bexley in Kent. Okay, but still, that's, you know, it's the big smoke. You're in the big smoke now. So are you spending the rest of the day in London? Probably, yes. Yeah. And are you a keen are you a keen cooker, or did you just fancy a jaunt up to, to the top of the tower? We like to cook, and we like to listen to your show. Oh, well, very good. Excellent. So on brand, Heather, so on brand. There. And what about you, Liz? Are you, are you a cooker? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of, okay. <laughs> and Helen? Not really. Okay. Well, soon you'll know how to make something. <laughs> it's not a very useful thing. It's, it's only useful once a year. <laughs> Helen's rolling out her skills at Christmas. And what about you, Kim? I feel, I feel you are quite domesticated. Oh, really? When the mood strikes, I think I can be. Okay. Uh, and Martha, what are you going to be showing them how to make? We've got a good mix there, haven't we? We are going to be making an espresso martini Christmas pudding. Uh, you had me at a espresso martini. I think I had everyone at espresso <laughs> yeah. martini. We lost interest when we got to Christmas pudding. <laughs> it is indeed stir-up Sunday tomorrow. So if you're thinking of getting in the festive mood and making your own Christmas pudding, get your ingredients today. Okay, and you'll tell us what the ingredients are and how to make it. I'm here with Martha, Kim, Helen, Heather and Liz. And we are discovering how to make, is it now a, a, an espresso martini Christmas pudding? Yes, we thought bog standard Christmas pudding. It's not, okay. very, it's not very Waitrose and it's not very exciting. So let's do something fun with it. Okay, and uh, what, a, what, what, what makes it, so talk us through it. So, 
We are starting with our fruit. Now, a lot of people don't like Christmas pudding because they don't like raisins or currants. They think it's very bitter. So I'm including a few other dried fruits that just add that kind of luxurious sweetness that we want. So we've got lots of medjool dates going in there, some dried figs, some prunes as well. So you've got a lovely mixture of different fruits. These are getting an overnight soak in some Couleur coffee liqueur oh, and yes. a bit of vodka. So we're mixing it up from the traditional brandy. Um, so once that has had its soak, we're then going to start on the mixing. Now, this is great for the whole family to get involved because it's so simple so we are going to start by adding breadcrumbs to the bowl some brown sugar self-raising flour a shot of coffee so some espresso powder mm -hmm. or if you've got one of those fancy machines you can make yourself a proper espresso oh nice some mixed spice three eggs we're going to grate in an apple to give it loads of lovely freshness and keep it moist until christmas day and once that's all mixed together with some vegetarian suet we're going to add in our fruit and any liquid that's in the bowl all of those lovely alcohols and um, mix it all together pop it into a prepared basin and then it's going to steam. It steams for a while, so you want to steam it for about three or four hours. <laughs> so mm -hmm. make sure you've got your pan on or your steam oven, or you can do it in a pressure cooker or something like that. Um, get it on and then keep it in a dark cupboard, feeding it regularly with a little bit of coffee liqueur until Christmas Day. Now, I have to admit, while you're talking, we're all eating. <laughs> yeah, it's just clinking Because there's one she made earlier. And you, it's delicious. You can really taste the coffee, can't you? Espresso, yes. It's beautiful. Mm. Everyone's nodding. Okay, at good. Okay, <laughs> And happily, you've made a big one, so there's enough cause, uh, because uh, Kim, Helen, Heather and Liz have all brought friends with them. So uh, there is enough for everyone. We've got plates, we've got forks and everything. So everyone can have a taste. Uh, they look very happy with their thing. I'm pleased to see that. Are you that. pleased? I'm Are you very, pleased? very pleased. Uh, so now what's going to happen is you guys, you've, you've, we've got workstations for you. We've got the Pyrex bowls. We've got all the ingredients all laid out, just like the telly, really. It's very impressive. <laughs> and so they will all leave with a Christmas pudding. They will. They'll take it in the cool bag and they can steam it when they get home. <laughs> or on, when do you, you only, when do you, do you steam it on the day? Like when you steam it when you want to eat it? So you can steam it on the day to warm it up or you can microwave it on the day which, to be honest, most of us on Christmas Day are in a little bit of a flap, so the microwave might be the best option for so, warming it up. <laughs> so basically, when they get home, they should do the steaming? Yes, the steaming needs to be done when the batter is raw, and then, ASAP. And where do you leave it then? And then you want to, so you want to change that so goes in the steamer with foil and baking parchment. You want to take that off because it will be a bit soggy. Replace it with a fresh sheet and then put it in, the, in a nice kind of cupboard, dark cupboard. Just a dry, just cool a nice place, dry, not, cool not cool the place. fridge or anything. No, it doesn't need to go in the fridge. And then you just want to feed it with your alcohol of choice. So you can do it with a little bit of vodka. You can do it with a bit of coffee liqueur or you could go for traditional brandy just to keep it fresh and keep it lasting. Okay, well, good luck to you. And uh, it's not too early to say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thanks for having Enjoy your Christmas pudding. Thank you very much, Martha. You're we'll be welcome. talking to you tomorrow for a more uh, a normal, a, a stripped back Martha class tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's always you. a Martha class, <laughs> but it'll be stripped back. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hello, Martha. Martha Collison. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. We're all a bit on a Sam Ryder high still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, such a nice, nice man. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was... Yeah. No, you'd like so him, kind. even if he wasn't super talented, you'd like him. <laughs> yeah. But as it happens, he can also sing like a dream. It's yeah. beautiful. It was so beautiful. I was listening in from oh. half the kitchen and then I snuck out and had a little peek through the, peek oh, through like, the window. Like Cinderella. <laughs> like Cinderella in your, in your kitchen white. Oh, let me go to the party. Uh, so, yesterday you made a Christmas pudding with our four lucky winners who got their Martha class. Uh, today you're continuing with a Christmas theme. What have you done for us? Yes, the Christmas theme is here to stay now. I'm helping everyone get prepared for the big day and all of the things leading up to it. So this is a lovely Christmas bake. Well, actually, it's not really a bake because it's a no a Christmas no bake. <laughs> this is a no bake chocolate Christmas cake. Okay, uh, a no bake. Is it a bit like a, a tiffin or a? Is it like that? What's like? Yeah, very yeah. similar to a Tiffin or a Rocky Road, but um, Will Torrent, who's one of the senior development chefs at Waitress, has written this recipe and a few other lovely Christmas chocolatey things. And it's supposed to kind of mimic your classic Christmas cake, the one with all the fruits and yeah, the yeah, marzipan, yeah, yeah. but it's made of mainly chocolate. So it should please yeah. everybody. <laughs> it's, when we were in school, we used to call this silage cake. I've no idea why. <laughs> Because you can just chuck anything in. Is that what it is? I think it's the layers or something. We, yeah, no, no. we call it silage cake. Um, and what's on top? So on top, so it's a very dark chocolate base with lovely fruits and nuts and all sorts of things mm, yeah, rippled yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. on top is a white chocolate ganache. 
It's very heavy on the chocolate. Yeah, it is. But now what I'm saying, what I'm thinking is, will that what will this keep? If I made it today, could I eat it at Christmas or no? I would probably make it a little closer to Christmas if you want it for the big day. I reckon it's probably got two weeks on it. Two weeks. But that's quite a long time, really, isn't that it? That is a long time. With chocolate in your house at Christmas, I don't think it will really last people two yeah, weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. And also, if you made it yourself, and you could bring it to exactly. somebody's house. And, people yeah. have to have it. They have to try it if you've made it. Yeah. Well, I haven't made it. But uh, what I am <laughs> going to do is eat it. Uh, so, uh, presumably, without... Actually, because you don't bake this, presumably it's a nice thing to make with kids and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. It's perfect for making with kids because they can all crumble in the different bits that need to go into the bowl. And it doesn't have that really long bake that a Christmas cake has as well. So you can tuck into it a little sooner than <laughs> Christmas cake then going into the cupboard for six weeks. Yeah. And no one's having a bite of that until the big day. So. And also a lot of these ingredients you can eat along the way, I oh, imagine. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, all right, how do we start? So we're going to start with the chocolate. So we're melting together lots of butter and then we've got some Belgian dark chocolate and some Belgian milk chocolate so it's not too if you just use dark it'd be a little bit too much so you want to balance that out dark chocolate almost tastes healthy I think you need, yeah. Absolutely. This is all about health, <laughs> this recipe. <laughs> got your healthy dark chocolate in there and a little bit of honey as well. For oh, a bit honey. of sweetness. Well, honey's healthy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's plenty of fruit going in as well, so maybe one of your five a day. No. <laughs> so you melt all those things together over a pan of boiling water. Mm-hmm. Once those are lovely and smooth, we're going to crumble in um, 250 grams, and this is Dutch organic Waitrose stem ginger shortbread. So it's not just plain biscuit, which means you get that lovely bit of tingle, bit of spice. Yeah, you really do. In the biscuit. So that all goes in and crumble that into nice small pieces. Then we're putting in a bit of mixed spice, a little bit of orange extract, so you get that kind of chocolate orange. Oh, I wonder whether because there is orange in it. I thought maybe it was a liqueur or something. But that no. would be nice. To be fair, yeah. if you are not making this with children, <laughs> stuck, stick in a little bit of orange liqueur. <laughs> Um, and then the last two ingredients are some mixed fruit. So you can use whatever you want here. If you prefer raisins, sultanas, currants, put those in. If you want something that's a bit more kind of child-friendly, go for more apricots and sweeter cherries and things like that. And then some mixed peel and some ginger. So you've got all these lovely things. And then when you cut into it, it kind of looks a little bit like colourful jewels. It's yeah. quite exciting. No, it's gorgeous. So you presumably you put all that in a in a, a round tin. Yep, into the chocolate, into a tin. And then that goes into the fridge for a couple of hours to set. Then it comes out, we're going to make this white chocolate ganache, which sounds fancy, but is literally melted white chocolate and some cream. Then we're going to put that onto the top of the cake. And then I've dusted the top to make it a little bit Christmassy with some sparkly snow. You know, I haven't heard of this, but it makes it look so professional. It makes it look like you bought it in a shop. So what is the sparkly snow? We it's don't really know. fun. It just, it's a mystery it, product. I believe it's in the Waitrose baking section and it's like icing sugar that's got a little bit of silver sparkle in it. So you can use it on, on all your Christmas bakes. Give no, them a little seriously, bit of it gives flair. it such a sheen. It's it looks really, really fun. Really it's nice. not as intense as just like edible glitter. It's like a lovely little gentle sparkle. And in, in order to get this out of my baking tin what should I put parchment in or should I grease the tin or what should I have done yes lots of parchment in this one this is a most cakes you can get away with just lining the base but for this one you want the base and the sides of the tin line so that you can pop it out and but it will keep in the fridge or in a cake tin if you've got a colder house um for probably about two weeks but yeah and we all have a colder house now so that's (laughs) we'll all be fine (laughs) we'll be fine and how long before you can eat it like how long do you have to do you have to leave it in the fridge for once the white chocolate's gone on I'd probably give it half an hour Oh, wow. Because white chocolate sets really quickly. Oh, you'd be having that tonight. You you could. You can tuck straight in. Uh, Thank you very much for that. The No Bake Chocolate Christmas Cake. Uh, The recipe's by Will Torrent. Uh, It can also be found in this week's Waitrose Weekend newspaper. And, of course, as I always say, recipes past and present can be found in the Graham Norton Waitrose Hub on the Waitrose website. Just head to waitrose.com slash showchef to see all of Martha's recipes. You can also check out the recipe and the visualisation of said cake uh, on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, Have a lovely week, Martha. Thank you, you too. And I'll see you next Saturday. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Time to meet my second guest of the day, Alfred Enoch is taking the role of Orlando, which is really, I mean, it's the lead. It's the lead, as you like it. It should just be called Orlando. I don't know what Shakespeare was thinking. It should just be called Orlando. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, welcome to the show, Alfred. Thank you very much. Great. Thank uh, you for having and, me. And so this is a kind of doubly exciting because it's a, a, a big new production of Shakespeare play mm. in the West End, but also in a new theatre. I know, that's not something that happens every day. No. It's great. So it's a new purpose-built theatre. 
in the West End called At Soho Place, which has been being developed for the last 12 years, I think. Yeah. And it's an absolutely incredible space. It's very intimate, but it's got scale. It's got about 600 seats. And for our production, it's going to be in the round. So everyone's going to be... Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. sort of in and amongst everyone and everyone's going to be in and amongst us. It's going to be beautiful. And, uh, I mean, is it a commercial space or is it supported by a charity? How, does, how, do, how do you open a new theatre in, in the West End? I think as far as I've understood, with difficulty and a lot of passion <laughs> and a lot of commitment, Nika Burns has been yeah. sort of getting this up and running for something like 12 years. So it's a real labour of love. Um, and I think, if, if I remember, this was sort of all that redevelopment. I was trying to remember because I was a boy. But there was a theatre roughly where the new entrance for Tottenham Court Road Station is. Do you know what I mean? On the sort of south... Oh, yes. Southwest uh, corner. Uh, not the... Astoria. The Astoria. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they did the redevelopment, there was, as far as I understand, an arrangement that a new theatre would have to be made. So, so, you know, so that playing space wasn't lost. So that kind of shared cultural space wasn't yeah. lost. And that's how At Soho Place came about. So it's a West End theatre, but a, but a brand new one. And now people might think, oh, you know, Alfred Enoch, uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, one, they're surprised you're English. <laughs> I mean, we're still surprised you're English. It still, it still feels wrong, like you're trying to trick us. Uh, but people will kind of think, oh, uh, you know, Man from Telly going into the theatre. But I was, you know, just saying to you while the record uh-huh. was on, you've done a heap of Shakespeare, like w- a weird amount. A weird amount of Shakespeare. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Um, the first thing I ever remember seeing was a Shakespeare play in the theatre. So my dad was an actor and he was in the opening season at Shakespeare's Globe. And I remember being about eight years old and going in to see Henry V. Mark Rylance played Henry V. My dad was the King of France. And I used to love history and be a bit of a geek as a kid. And I walked into that space and I just went, it's this is like going back into the past. And, and, what, and that was before the play had started. And when it started, I was entranced. I said, that's what I want to do. So I've always... I, I love doing Shakespeare. It's one of the things I most enjoy as an actor. I think it gives you so much to play with. There's so much plasticity in those, in that, in those texts. It's really And exciting. also, what's interesting is, you know, particularly with As You Like It, mm. it's so modern. Like, you kind of think people are getting, so, you know, the Nick is interested about kind of gendered fluidity and right. all that sort of stuff. And As You Like It, it's all right there. It's so, you know, Shakespeare was doing it before anybody. Well, this is the thing that I always sort of end up pinching myself at some point of a rehearsal process when I'm doing Shakespeare. I was doing Romeo and Juliet last year. And I thought, how, how does this, how does this guy do this how is he observing things which so i think one of the one of the things with romeo and juliet i find is people often say oh what a lovely oh it's such a great love story and i think it it finishes with a double teen suicide you know to me it's a play about mental health and when we got people experts in in that production who we who worked professionally with young people struggling with mental health difficulties so much of what they said was reflected in the text and you think what's this guy i mean there was no, to my knowledge, sort of real discourse in the way that we have nowadays yeah. around mental health. And here's someone who's observing things and picking things up. I think the same thing with As You Like It. You know, with a, you've got this extraordinary character, Rosalind, who transforms herself into Ganymede. This, this sort of, on the most basic level, it's a disguise as a male character, yeah. right? But, I mean, the, the questions that that throws up in the play about gender identity and how we perceive people on the basis of that... And also are, messing are with Orlando's head. And messing with Orlando's head. I mean, he basically ends up falling <laughs> falling in love with, as far as he knows, a young shepherd boy yeah. who actually turns out to be the woman he fell in love with in the first place. It's very... but journey changes them both so it opens up so many things now annoyingly it's not just you uh, <laughs> there are, there are other people in it uh, which is so irritating it would be so much better if you were playing all the parts but uh who, who else is in it i was hoping you wouldn't say that Graham. Oh, i said okay. that to I you know, before I, hoping you wouldn't share I know, that with i know people. so i know i know some of the names you got some of the names <laughs> go on give me the okay. names uh, martha plimpton martha plimpton who does she play Jayquiz. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. She's fantastic. Okay. And uh, and uh, Rose Aiding Ellis, who <laughs> people know from uh, Strictly here. From Strictly, she yeah. She had that amazing moment in Strictly. She's absolutely brilliant. I mean, how watching so much of that language being translated into sign, into BSL, then a sort of 
poetic version of BSL and the physicality of it and the comedy that's in it, but also what that does, I think, to Rosalind and Celia's relationship. She's playing a character called Celia, who's the cousin of Rosalind, and they're very, very close. That's one of the first things you learned about them. They're so, they're so close that they can't be without each other. And the fact that they have a language which many other characters of the play are excluded from, not excluded from, but don't have access yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Is, is kind of compelling for what it does to that relationship. Their scenes are, are shaping up beautifully. We're still in rehearsals. There's so much we're discovering, but it's, yes, it's because very I should, should say it's uh, at the Soho Theatre from, no, is it the Soho Theatre or Soho Place? At Soho Place. At Soho yeah. Place from December the 6th. Tickets available at SohoPlace.org. There you go. We should also say you're in a new Sky movie uh, just for Christmas. This is I Christmas. Am. This is Christmas, yeah, which we shot in the middle of a heat wave. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> challenging, perhaps. It was, I, I mean, truthfully, it was one of the funnest things I've ever got to film. It was, it was, and it felt genuinely felt festive. I thought, this is going to be a stretch on the first day when I was in a woolly jumper next to an open fire and it was 40 degrees. <laughs> but everyone was so lovely and the script was fantastic and some fantastic uh, It sounds like a very kind of sweet... It, it, you know, as a as a premise for a, uh, a movie, yeah. it's a really sweet idea. Tell us. It's a very sweet idea. So um, I play a character in that film called Adam, who is uh, an advertising exec. He's got his little own boutique agency. And he pitches for the biggest Christmas ad in the country. And he has this idea that really Christmas is about community. Um, and people need to share and exchange and connect with each other. And so he pitches an advert on that basis, which is sort of dismissed as being utterly naive and unworkable. And then one day, on his commuter train, he decides he's going to put it into practice. So he stands up on the train and says, Hi, everyone, I'd like to invite everyone to a party. And they all look at him like he's mad. But eventually, they all come together and join in this big sort of collective celebration of community. It's, it's, it's a beautiful script, honestly. It's wonderfully done. It's called This Is Christmas, and that is a Sky original movie. And uh, Now, do you know somebody called Deborah who lives in London? Uh, yes, I do. OK, maybe they've been in touch then. OK. This person seems to know a lot about you. Uh, <laughs> she says she's got a few questions for you. OK. Uh, she greedily consumed How to Get Away with Murder, as did I. I think, it was, I think I watched it all in lockdown. I think I just watched every season back to back I don't lockdown. understand how. It's so intense. Yeah. I had to watch one episode and have a breather. When people say I binge watch it, I sort of feel bad for their blood pressure. No, I would watch it while I was on a some sort of treadmill-y thing. Oh, okay. what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my thing. But I loved it. Uh, I, uh, Deborah wants to know how did it feel to end a show with such a tight ensemble cast after all those years together? Well, you kind of ended it twice. Yes, I did end it twice, which actually was a bit of a, a bit of a luxury to go back and be there at the very end without sort of going too far into it and giving spoilers. But um, it was it, it it was difficult for me because we got so close doing it. I mean, it it was a beautiful group of people, all and you're working, you know, something absurd like 14 plus hour days every day for seven months of the year. Um, and you get very, very close doing that. And also I think for a lot of, at least the young cast, it was a bit of a change in our career and something we hadn't experienced in terms of the fact that the show became very, very successful and we became yeah. visible in a way we hadn't before. So um, we were really sort of bound by that experience. But the happy thing is we're, we're all really still in touch and see Aww. each other every now and then. So and also, it was, it, was it, I mean, because you're, you know, that young cast... Mm. Acting opposite Viola Davis yeah. was that. I mean, it must be kind of. You must be watching her, kind of going, "Oh, that's how you do that," or "Oh, that's interesting." I, she's as well as being a lot of fun to be around on set. Um, at the most extraordinary actor, and I remember there was one scene in the second in the second season that she had this line, and I saw it on the page, and I thought, "How on earth can you say that?" I just it was, it was kind of brilliant in what the line was trying to do but I thought I have no idea how you would pull that off and we were all sort of chatting about it beforehand and it came to it and Viola said it and we just all turned to each other and we were like oh there we go that's <laughs> That's how you that's do that. How you, that's how you do that. That's how. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, and, amazing. And you mentioned your dad, Shakespearean yes. actor. Is he still in the land of the? In the land of theatre, um, or in the land of the living? I was. I was going land of the living. Land of the that, living. Yeah. Well, yes. I'm oh, happily. Oh, he's good. 98 years old. It was his birthday yesterday. No, he's not. He is. He really? Was born, he was born in 1924. 
You're kidding me. Which I think explains a lot about me, because I think generationally I'm out of step. I sort of can't use phones and... You know, I grew up with my dad calling the radio the wireless. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think that, wow, 98. 98. Oh, well, uh, Deborah just wondered, will he be coming to critique your Shakespearean debut? or is He, he... always does. OK. He so he's still mobile does. and everything? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's just been in Brazil. I'm half Brazilian. My, my mum said, we're, we're going to your cousin's wedding. I couldn't make it because I was rehearsing. And he said, I said, you're not taking dad. He goes, yeah, it would be great for him. Well, so your dad sounds like an ad for being 98. <laughs> yeah. Well, Everyone you... should try it. <laughs> uh, very good. So he will be coming to, to critique He you. will, yes. And he actually, once I did a, I did a production of The Tempest at university. It was an amateur production. And I came out and I was playing Ferdinand. Um, again, a mistitled play should just be called Ferdinand. Ferdinand yeah, yeah, anyway. really, yeah. Um, and I came out and he was standing in the lobby and his face was just like done. And he, I sort of smiled tentatively at him. He went over, grabbed me by the arm and said, you can't emasculate the character like you've done. It's just a nothing. And he started sort of, he made me re-rehearse the whole thing the next morning. Wow. Thanks, I, so I, was like, I don't really <laughs> think I could go on stage and just do something completely different. You talk to them and you... Oh, goodness. Uh, so and how old are you when he got you on the stage of the Globe? You mentioned going to the Globe. Yeah, so I... The first thing I ever did actually wasn't on the stage of the Globe, but it was a sonnet walk. So for Shakespeare's birthday, what they do is... This is the first thing I think I ever performed. Um, they basically do a tour from Westminster Abbey to the Globe. And they say, expect a sonnet somewhere along the way, and an actor will jump out and do a sonnet. And my dad sort of basically stood outside what was going to become the Tate Modern on the little wall. Everyone gathered round him, and I jumped out from behind a tree and did my sonnet, and I must have been about eight years old. But it was then about ten years after that that... No, lies. Sorry, I was ten years old. Two years after that, that I did a play on the Globe stage with the National Youth Music Theatre. Wow. Look at you now, playing Orlando <laughs> and as you like it. It's at the Soho Place. You can get tickets for, available from 25 quid. Sohoplace.org. It starts on December the 6th. And This Is Christmas is a Sky original film. Thank you so much for coming in to see us. Thank you for having me. All what right. a pleasure. Cheers, Alfred. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, make sure you are following us on our socials at Virgin Radio UK to see everything from Graham's Guide to gorgeous dishes from show chef Martha. Speak soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.